This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, more accountable government. I'm Todd McKay. Franco Terrazano, our federal director, is here spreading some uh, Christmas cheer. He's also throwing some coal around. You know, yep. he's throwing chunks of coal uh, all over the place uh, because we put out the uh, 2021 naughty and nice list. Here's a, here's a clip from uh, some of what Frank has been talking about. Now, the argument with Julie Payette is, well, that's what governors general are entitled to. And so even though she resigned, basically was forced to resign, you know, without changing the rules or the law, like she gets what she gets. Yeah, I think that's pretty crazy. I mean, at the CTF, it's our job to cover um, these uh, outrageous government perks. Uh, so we do that from coast to coast, all different levels of government. And let me tell you, the perks for a governor general may be the most unfair that I've covered during my time during uh, with the CTF. And that's really saying a lot. All right, Franco. Thanks for chatting. Let's start with the naughty list. Let's be honest. We're all looking for bad news that we can make fun of right now. So who's at the top of the old naughty list? Well, top of the naughty list, you have to start at the top of government And of course, I am talking about the former Governor General, Julie Payette, because she left early. Remember, she only served for, uh, what, a little bit more than three years after the reportedly Grinch-style workplace. So even though she left early, though, she could still be eligible to uh, charge taxpayers for more than $4 million through her pension if she continues to collect it to the age of 90. But Todd, we got some more lumps of coal because as a former governor general, she could still bill taxpayers for more than $200,000 for the rest of her life uh, through that expense account, um, which is absolutely crazy uh, because Todd, I know like if I get kicked kicked out of the CTF team, um, I'm probably not going to be able to charge you guys for what, 200 k a year? Uh, yeah, well, even while you're working for us, <laughs> yeah. I would recommend not charging us for 200 grand a year uh, in expenses. Uh, but if you're not working for us, definitely not going to get 200 grand. The crazy thing about this one is this story has been crazy for a while. The prime minister has known there's a problem, uh, but he's not done anything about it. Just uh, absolutely nothing. So Payette uh, rides off into the uh, sunset. And we'll see what kind of bills she sends back. But she definitely, uh, they need to cut that off. So, okay, that's the top of the naughty list, but she's not alone. Hmm. Who do we got next? Well, you know what? Uh, All members of parliament, put them on Santa's bad books. You know, it's Christmas, tis the season for giving. And you know, Todd, our MPs sure do love giving to themselves. <laughs> That's because during uh, during the pandemic, they've been pocketing pay raises left, right, and center. They're actually eligible for their third pandemic pay raise in 2022. Uh, I mean, really, these members of parliament, they've been acting like Scrooge, helping themselves to bigger pay while everyone around them struggles. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the guys <laughs> at the top of the food chain there. Uh, I think the prime minister might be uh, in a little bit of uh, hot water there. What's uh, where's he fit in on the list? Yeah, well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I mean, he's uh, he's no stranger to the taxpayer naughty list. That's for sure. And and this year he lands himself on the naughty list once again. And it's pretty simple reason why. I mean, he's increasing taxes during the middle of a pandemic. And he said he wouldn't. 
And he's like, he when he got the question, I remember he got the question and reporters like, oh, are you thinking about raising taxes at all? You're spending a lot of money. Prime minister was like, oh, of course not. Why would you do that? This is a terrible <laughs> yeah. time for why indeed, man, you're starting uh, increasing taxes on everything, booze, carbon tax, all kinds of stuff. All right. All right. Let's move on though. The fellow on the other side of the line, uh, the conservative leader. Also uh, on the side. Naughty list. Yep. Naughty yeah. list, naughty list, naughty list. You know why, right? Well, uh, fibbing is a surefire way to land yourself on the naughty list. And let's just say that Conservative Party leader Aaron O'Toole's nose has grown three sizes this year with his carbon tax fib. Of course, when he was running for party leader, he promised Canadians he would fight carbon taxes, repeal the carbon tax, and replace the carbon tax with nothing. Now, what did he do just a few months before the federal election? Well, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed, I guess, because he decided to impose a carbon tax of his own. And so that's bad news. But Todd, you know, it really boils my blood. It just infuriates me. Not only is he hamming, hammering or not only would he want to hammer a family with a carbon tax of his own, but he also wanted to play word games with Canadians, insult their intelligence. And he said somehow his carbon tax was not a tax at all. Well, I say, if you think a carbon tax hike is good for Canadian families, at least have the spine to admit it. Yeah, that didn't go great for him. Uh, okay. <laughs> Serenity now. We're talking about uh, some of the good guys. So who's at the top of the nice list? Well, you know, it's this was actually a pretty challenging thing to, to find a bunch of politicians to round out the, the, the nice list. But we do have some good examples. Uh, let's start over in the East Coast in New Brunswick, where you have Finance Minister Ernie Steves. Um, it looks like New Brunswick is going to be running a surplus over $30 million this year. So he's proving to taxpayers all across Canada that you don't have to run massive deficits during a pandemic. And the way his government is doing that is, is you know, they're focusing resources on health care, but they're holding the line on spending on other areas of the budget. And that's what we've been advocating this whole time, right? If you have to focus resources somewhere, okay, we can have that debate, but you should be able to find savings in other areas of your budget. Yeah. Spending more somewhere doesn't mean you have to spend more everywhere. That's what we're seeing in a lot of governments. Nice work, New Brunswick, holding the line somewhere. <laughs> Who else is on the nice list? Well, you know what? Uh, let's let's just go right to former councillor Jeremy Farkas. Todd, you, our CTF supporters, know that I was the Alberta director previously. And let's just say the city of Calgary maybe took up too much of my time because all of the waste going around. Todd used to have to call me up sometimes and be like, hey, like, Franco, let's maybe focus uh, your resources somewhere else. So let's just say the city of Calgary is not well known for saving taxpayers some money, but we do have a bit of a bright spot, which was former councillor Jeremy Farkas. He lost the mayoral race this fall, but he said that he, and he's living up to this, he's not going to take his golden council pension. He's not going to take his uh, goodbye bonus. So this is going to end up saving taxpayers about $300,000. So a lot of generosity from the former councillor, and that puts him on our good books. All right. You know, it's funny. When you look at the where we could have gone with the naughty list, a lot of political parties could have gone on the naughty list for taking uh, the wage subsidy. Oh, yeah. Meant for struggling <laughs> uh, Canadians, and they just stuck their nose right in the draw, uh, in the uh, uh, trough and, uh, you know, sucked it dry. But then... At least one federal party didn't. They made the nice list as a result. Who's, uh, who wore the white hat on this one? La Quebec Law. 
And Todd, this was weird for me. Uh, usually you pay me to hammer these political parties every time they dip their fingers into the taxpayer cookie jar. Uh, but one, one federal party in the House of Commons did not take the federal wage subsidy, and that was the block. And, and for that, they deserve some kudos. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. But I do want to just put a bow on it by saying, listen, uh, we do a lot of serious stuff, uh, policy papers, all that kind of thing, uh, media commentary. Uh, lots of that kind of thing. But why is it important uh, here and there to make fun of politicians? <laughs> well, I mean, look, uh, we, we do want to spotlight areas where politicians are doing a good job. That's what we did with the uh, with the nice list. You also have the former speaker of the BC legislature there, Daryl Plekis, because he did heroic work uh, shining a light on some of the crazy inappropriate expenses happening over there. So it's good to to give them some kudos when you do have a few politicians doing some good work. Uh, but also, like, we need to make fun of these politicians when they're doing bad stuff. Like, they need to be uh, sometimes knocked off a pedestal a little bit, right? So it's good to throw some shade. It's good to throw some coal, I guess. And it's good to make fun of them. Uh, plus, like, this is a great way for us to raise the issue with Canadians. Everyone is, is you know, trying to relax, enjoy their holiday season. And and we hope this nice and naughty list is, is a good way to shine a light on some wins, but also some bad behavior. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, man. See you later. Okay, we've got Franco Terrazano here because uh, we got to look ahead a little bit here. New Year's tax changes. Every year you got to do your taxes. It's the worst. And <laughs> one of the worst things about it is they change a bunch of stuff. You know, you finally got to get it figured out. They change a bunch of things. Don't worry. Franco is the kind of nerd who looks into all this stuff and checks it out to try to figure out what's going on. So Franco, our federal director, what is uh there's a sneaky change going on a sneaky dirty change so let's oh. start there tell us about bracket creep oh bracket creep is the worst now what should happen in a fair tax system is that the tax bracket should move with inflation right that means um it's so what that would avoid the problem with bracket creep which is when inflation bumps taxpayers into these higher tax brackets even though what we can actually afford to buy hasn't gone up. Also with bracket creep, the basic personal amount, the, the tax-free portion of your income, it, it slowly erodes over time. So this bracket creep is such a backdoor type of tax grab, right? Because like when a politician raises a tax rate, everyone can feel it. We all know, but it's tough to know how much money you lose to bracket creep every year. And here's the provinces that are going to be stinging their taxpayers with this backdoor sneaky gross type of tax. You got Alberta, you've got Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Ontario too. Some of their taxpayers are going to feel the bracket creep sting. Yeah. Bracket creep is so bad. It's a sneaky, dirty, unaccountable backdoor tax. You know, you get the cost of living bump at work. You're really not making any more money. It's just keeping up with the prices. But all of a sudden you're paying more tax because the tax brackets don't move too. And they know better. The federal government knows how to do this. Most of the provinces index their tax brackets. A few of them try to sneak a little extra out. The thing about it too is it compounds over time. You know, you lose a little bit this year, but then next year it adds on and adds on and adds on. Uh, what kind of costs are we seeing in some of these provinces? Well, just before I get into the costs, you said that these politicians should know better. And Todd, as we know, there is one politician in particular who should know better. He's Premier Jason Kenney. He's in Alberta. Now, you might know Premier Jason Kenney from eh, 
30-ish years ago when he was a tax fighter with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And he was railing against bracket creep then. He railed against bracket creep as a federal member of parliament, and he should know better. But you ask for the cost. I mean, in Alberta, you're looking at between $44 all the way up to $141 just this year. Uh, you look at Nova Scotia, you could be paying an extra $74 to $278 in Prince Edward Island. You could be paying up to $103 for bracket creep just this year. And the emphasis on that needs to be just this year because over time it compounds and compounds and taxpayers pay more and more and more. Exactly. It's maybe a hundred bucks this year. It might be annoying, but you're like, ah, okay. But do this for five years. All of a sudden it's 500 bucks every year and goes up and up and up. This is the kind of problem that needs to be cut off. Okay. Well, let's keep moving here. There is a little bit of good news. Income taxes are bumping down. A little bit. A little What's bit. Going on there? A little bit. So on the federal side, you do have the personal basic amount. Remember the tax-free portion of your income. That's going up, which means that you get a little bit of tax savings on the income tax side. But really, that's only going to amount to savings of about $89. Now, there's other types of income-based taxes that we need to talk about, right? Payroll taxes, the amount you pay into CPP, the amount you pay into employment insurance. Well, both of those payroll taxes are going up. You have the extra CPP tax this year is going to be about $333 each for employees and employers. And you also have EI taxes that are going up, uh, an extra $63 uh, for employees, an extra $89 for employers. So when you look at all the different income-based tax changes, most taxpayers, uh, based on their incomes, are actually going to see a higher bill this year. Yeah, it's kind of a shell game. Hey, you come out a little bit ahead on one side, eh, one thing leads to another, the government comes out ahead. Funny how that <laughs> yeah, works, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's a bunch of other taxes moving uh, to carbon taxes are a yep. big one. What's going on with uh, changes on carbon taxes? Well, we're seeing another carbon tax increase in 2022. That'll be the third carbon tax increase during the pandemic. Uh, it's going from the current nine cents per liter of gasoline carbon tax to 11 cents per liter uh, beginning in April. But of course, remember the Trudeau government wants to continue to pile on and pile on and pile on. Uh, they're gonna keep increasing the carbon tax all the way to 2030, which will be about nearly 40 cents per liter of gasoline. But Todd, as we've talked about a lot of times and our supporters have been fighting on, the Trudeau government is also imposing a second carbon tax through fuel regulations. That will also take effect near the end of 2022. Yeah. And that's another, depending on how you cut it, you know, 11 to 16 cents a liter. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of money. One of the things I find interesting in that whole debate is one of the, uh, where the carbon tax isn't changing. For example, Nova Scotia said, ah, we're not going to raise it. It is what it is. Uh, we're not going anywhere with it. And yet people in other parts of the country are going to be hammered with these changes. All right. There's a lot of nickel and diming going on too. What are some of the other uh, taxes that may be hitting people in the pocketbook coming up? Yeah, so you also touched on something I just want to circle back to, right? This patchwork of different carbon tax rates across Canada. I mean, obviously at the CTF, we think that there is one optimal carbon tax rate, and that is $0. <laughs> but this has been an issue that we've brought up before. You talked about the second carbon tax, and you're right. Some analysis say up 
between 11 cents, maybe even 16 cents uh, per liter by 2030. Now, one of the taxes that you're talking about, I mean, we, we struggle through the pandemic. Uh, many people have lost their job. Many, many people have taken pay cuts. Many people are stressed out. And maybe you want to enjoy a beer, maybe a glass of wine with your spouse on the weekend. Well, you're not getting any relief there because alcohol taxes are going up again for the third time during the pandemic in 2022. And Todd, let me just read some stats for you because it's absolutely eye-watering. Um, taxes already account for about half of the price of beer, 65% of the price of wine, and more than three quarters of the price of spirits. So, I mean, we are absolutely getting gouged every time we go to the liquor store. Yeah, that one's super frustrating, especially because there's no accountability on it. Uh, they've got what's called an escalator tax. It just goes up every year with inflation. MPs don't have to go to the bother of actually voting for that, except that that's their whole job they're supposed to be in there and take responsibility when they impose a tax they're just shrugging and saying nah, i don't know what's going up every year what can i tell you that's not right not only is it bad because it costs you more to have a brewski but also <laughs> uh they're not being accountable on it all right home equity taxes every politician they will swear up and down we're not going to do it don't worry we'd never tax the, the uh, sale of your home but we're seeing a little crack in oh, that yeah. whole commitment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we heard it. We heard it during the election uh, platform from the liberals. We just saw it double down within the finance minister's mandate letter that Trudeau just put out. And it's this so-called anti-flipping tax on your home. So if you sell your home earlier than what the, the, the liberal government thinks you should, they are going to send the CRA after you with an anti-flipping tax. Now, this really shows that the liberal government is sniffing around our homes, right? Because we also know that the federal government spent $250,000 of our tax dollars studying home taxes. We, we also hear the federal government is moving on a tax on foreign owners of so-called vacant homes, right? So we continue to see the slippery slope here. And Todd, one thing that we've been pushing, one thing that our supporters need to do is contact their MPs and tell them to remove the reporting requirement with the CRA when you sell your home. In 2016, Ottawa brought in a new requirement that when you sell your home, you have to report that sale with the CRA. Well, why do these CRA bureaucrats want to know when you sell your home? Are they just curious or are they getting ready to hammer you with a home equity tax? So we need our supporters to email their um, MPs and tell them to remove that requirement. Yeah, it's interesting. The goal uh, that politicians often talk about is making sure that homes are more affordable. That sounds very lovely. It's nice if everybody's got a good house uh, to live in. Funny how every solution they come up with, though, ends with the government getting more money. Yeah, weird. It's weird, hey? <laughs> yeah. Just like a weird coincidence. Hmm. Every solution, uh, I win. That's uh, really strange. Uh, let's touch on one more. Uh, they're talking about uh, big uh, uh, taxes on banks, insurance companies, that kind of thing. Tax, uh, tax of big companies, that won't cost us any money, will it? Well, we, we you know, this is unfortunately uh, one of the ideologies that we've, we've heard from the NDP uh, federally, but also the Liberal Party as well is, is this whole soak the rich mentality. Um, of course, what everyday Canadians really need to be worried about is two things. The first is 
well, what is going to, where are they going to start looking for money after the Trudeau government blows through the cash, right? Where are they going to start looking? They're going to start coming after everyday Canadians, Todd, you, me, and our supporters. That's where they're going to try to look for more of their tax dollars. The second thing that we have to remember, a lot of politicians try to say like, oh, it's the rich who are going to pay these taxes. Well, remember when the U.S. imposed a luxury tax back in the 90s? Who did that really hurt? It hurt the middle-class workers in those industries. The second thing is they, they make it sound like these big corporations are going to pay those taxes. Well, we all know that those taxes are going to find their way down to the till and through higher prices. So that's why we really need to fight these taxes, even though they say, oh, it's just going to hit these certain big businesses or these certain top earners. We can't buy that. We got to fight it. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever you're looking at your bank statement, there's always that one little line, just, you know, fees. It's eh, <laughs> in there. Don't even worry about that. Yeah, you'll pay your price uh, on that one way or the other. Okay, Franco, you did up a whole report, New Year's tax changes, catalogs, all of the changes, uh, or many at least, of the changes that Canadians need to keep an eye out for coming up in 2022. Check that out. We'll have a link to that. And, uh, you know, brace yourself because we gotta, we're going to have to fight these more in the future. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, man. Happy New Year. All right. And now we've got our Quebec director, Renaud Brassard, and somebody in Montreal. You know, when you're asking for gifts, it's important to be a little bit cognizant of the price tag. I think that's a generally just the right way to be when you're asking for, th for things. Uh, usually there's some kind of budget involved. Mm -hmm. Somebody in Montreal, though, they're asking for a really, really big Christmas gift. Renault, what's going on over there? I think he's something well. I mean, there's this, so so this guy, uh, this billionaire guy living in Montreal named uh, Stephen Bronfman. Uh, he's a huge fan of baseball. I mean, I get it. It's a fun sport. Uh, and he wants to bring back uh, a baseball team, not a full-time one, but part-time one. So he's trying to convince the Tampa Bay Rays to come and play in Montreal, have the season. But to do that, he needs a new stadium. And he wants uh, Quebec taxpayers to pay for a very large chunk of the price of that stadium. Yeah, and that's so the equation here is Paul uh, is important. So he wants the Tampa Bay Rays to yep. play half their games in Montreal. But of course, even if you play only half your games, you still need a whole stadium. So <laughs> the bill is going to be pretty big. But, but until now, he hasn't said what the price tag would be. He's just like, hey, guys, this is going to be awesome. And people are like you, or, uh, how much is it going to cost? I'm like, don't worry about that. It's just going to be awesome. Let's focus on that. But now it's leaking out a little bit, uh, the actual yeah. price tag. What's the damage? So, uh, so in, for the total project, what we're looking at is a billion dollars. Now, not all of it is, going to, is coming from taxpayers, of course, thankfully. Uh, but he wants taxpayers to pay for about 30% of it for up to 300 million bucks. And he's not looking for taxpayers to get an equity stake of some sort or anything. He's looking for either direct subsidies, you know, just getting a $300 million check would be, would be kind of nice, right? It's either debt or this new thing that Quebec calls forgivable loans, where you loan someone money, but if they, if, if they happen to reach certain objectives, which... Let's be honest, a lot of companies end up doing, you just forget that you loan them the money and let them keep the money instead. So yeah, what he's trying to get is up to $300 million to build a brand new stadium in Montreal 
so we can have a part-time baseball team, even though we've already got an expensive taxpayer-funded stadium that's just sitting empty. Uh, and we're also one of few cities where uh, we have built stadiums with private money only in the past. I mean, the Bell Center was built with private money. Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens managed to build uh, their own barn. Uh, my understanding is it's pretty swanky. Feel like uh, you could probably pull this off yourself if you're a billionaire. I got a guy got a pause on the term forgivable loan. You know, like that sounds like the kind of one when you're in college and you're asking your parents for a little extra money. Sounds like the kind of terminal. It's a forgivable loan. I just it's it's not like just cash. It's a forgivable loan. I just wondered if you could help me out. Okay, let's not yeah. get bogged down on that, though. <laughs> uh, let's give some context to this. What uh, $300 million, what is that? Put, the, put some context on that. So uh, if I, I looked at the last Quebec budget, uh, and the estimates are that the average Quebecer's income tax bill will, uh, will cost them $5,600 uh, for provincial taxes this year. So 300 million bucks is actually the entirety of 54,000 Quebecers tax bills this year that this guy's asking for. Now, this is, this is the size of a small town. This is the size of this town of Saint-Hyacinthe in Quebec. It's the 18th largest city in the province. And he's asking for all of that tax money not to be used for healthcare, not to be used for education, not to go back in people's pockets because maybe we don't need to take that extra 300 million. He's looking for all of that money to be diverted towards his stadium project so he can get his part-time baseball team and make more money off of it. Well, and here's the thing too. So he's asking for all of this tax money from all of these people, the equivalent of 54,000 people's tax bills he wants it to go into uh, to his own little project there. Mr. Bronfman, uh, that's what he's shooting for. Does he need it, though? Like, is this, uh, you know, should I be feeling bad I for mean, the poor guy? Is this like, is this Tiny Tim in a Dickens novel? Just, you know, <laughs> can I have a little bit extra? Like, what's going well, on here? So, so some of the older folks listening might know the Bronfman name from somewhere because uh, they're, they're, the, they're the family that's behind a Seagram's uh, Whiskey Empire. Uh, that made a decent amount of money. And yes, one of the later Bronfman kind of screwed the pooch and lost a bunch of money, but the family is still worth 3.8 billion. Now that's already enough to build, well, to do that project nearly four times, but he's not alone in this. The other people with him, there's Mitch Garber, who uh, used to be um, uh, the, an owner of the Seattle hockey team. Uh, there's also uh, a man named Stéphane Chrétier, who founded Garda, the uh, security company. Uh, there's also another man named uh, Alain Bouchard, uh, Bouchard. This guy founded a, a small uh, corner store company called Couchetard. He's worth about $6 billion. So all of these guys together have well over $10 billion bucks. But I think that really what they need to do this project is for people... You know, for a, a family in Quebec making 70000 a year to give them the totality of their tax. Well, actually, for 54,000 Quebecers uh, making, making average wages to give them the totality of their taxes so that these billionaires can actually do a uh, part-time baseball team. That's so funny. Like, you know, if you've been selling uh, whiskey in Canada for a few generations, 
yeah, you probably have enough money to pay for your own projects, you know? Yeah. Anyways. All right. But let's look at, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If you build it, they will come. I think that that's, uh, you know, like, why not? Let's just give her, let's put it up. It'll probably be awesome. We'll all make a bunch of money, watch some baseball. It'll be great. What about all these spinoffs? You're just going to throw that all out, Renault? You know, there's, there's a constant when we talk about uh, pro sports stadiums and pro sports subsidies is that the promoters talk about spinoffs, the politicians talk about spinoffs, and the economic the economists never talk about spinoffs. Proper economists, university economists, so not, not the ones paid by the project's promoters to try and get a subsidy, but university economists have looked at these things. They've looked at it. Uh, I mean, the first time we they, there was a subsidized stadium in North America, I think it was in 1953. So we've got nearly 70 years of evidence to look at. And nearly every study, there's a quasi-unanimity amongst economists that have studied these things to say that, no, uh, there's barely economic impact, if any, from a team. There's some that actually found a negative impact from bringing a sports team. Uh, and basically, just every single time that the public subsidizes these things, what they found when you ask a panel of top economists, including Nobel Prize winners, what they say is in 83% of them say that the taxpayers do not ever see the, light, uh, the, the color of that money again if they put the money in it. There's 4% that think maybe it's worth it. But if you look at the responses for those 4%, they say, oh yeah, taxpayers are not going to get that money back. But when a team wins something, there's a certain amount of joy and we should be able to compensate the team for that joy. Hence why those subsidies. So even the guys, even the economists that are for it admit that uh, this, there's no way taxpayers are going to see the, the, that money again. So no, there's, in terms of spinoffs, there's, there's really nothing. There's no proper justification for this. Yeah, it's funny. I always look at it, uh, the promoters of deals like this, I always say, oh, it's going to be such a great deal for taxpayers. They're going to come out of way ahead. If it's such a great deal, why won't people put their own money in? Why are we so lucky that we get to be part of this deal? The reality is it goes sideways all the time because that's what happens when you're spending other people's money. When you're spending your own, you're kind of yeah. careful. When you're spending somebody else, not so much. Okay, where are we going from here? What's, uh, what's the next step? I, I know you've been on this. Tell us what you were uh, doing. Remind everybody what you were doing down in Tampa Bay and then tell us uh, where we're going uh, from here. Oh, we've got a bunch of things planned. I, I, I don't want to spoil any surprises yet, uh, but I know so far uh, we have started a petition on this. We've collected well over 10,000 signatures against this kind of subsidy and the, number, the numbers keep ticking up. Uh, we've also uh, purchased a billboard uh, back in October, right next to where the Tampa Bay Rays play in Florida to uh, tell the owner and the Rays that uh, no, Montreal taxpayers do not want to pay for this new stadium and we were sorry about that uh we're going to keep pushing this message keep making sure that there's a lot of opposition that politicians know that the people do not want to have to pay this 300 million dollar bill uh and we're going to keep doing it until we can cancel this bad idea yeah you know what it's funny i love baseball baseball is one of my favorite sports you and me we actually caught a jays game this summer it was awesome uh super fun Pro, uh, we're totally in favor of baseball. Just not yeah. taxpayers paying for it. That's where we draw the line. All right, Renault. Thank you so much for uh, for chatting and working on this. 
It's, uh, it's my pleasure. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.